back. Just like I said, we'll be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge, a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, editor at the KC Soccer Journal and co-host of this podcast. I'm going to take you a bit more in-depth, and I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the macho woman, if you will, Sheena Smith, who gives us that more casual perspective. Hey, Sheena. Hey, Chad. I wanted to do the macho man, but you know, I thought yeah. that wouldn't quite work for you. So I actually got the reference. <laughs> One of the few wrestlers you actually knew. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, on today's show, we're going to talk about Sporting Kansas City heading into Philly and earning a draw. The Kansas City Current, unfortunately, losing their home opener. Sporting Kansas City too pick up a win, sort of. Uh, a little bit of controversy around the current Makia Minnis. I'll tell you a little more about that. And of course, the digital crawl. But as you heard in the introduction, big news around the Kansas City soccer landscape as the Blue Testament is no longer. And we are now been rebranded to the KC Soccer Journal. And Sheena, I don't know if I told you this, I got a title upgrade. I am now associate editor. That's like number two in charge officially. What was your previous title? I guess I don't even know. Just editor. Ah, well, congrats on the upgrade. Thank you. Thank you. I think there's one other associate editor as well. But hey, I'm going to pretend I'm like, I have all the power and I'm going to let it go straight to my head and just, you know, abuse it as much as possible. (laughs) I wouldn't say that out loud. It's sarcasm. I'm not, I mean, I'm so humble. Don't I I always tell you how humble I am? You do. Because that's what humble people have to do. Remind other people how humble they are. So. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get right to the soccer action. There's lots to talk about on this week. Lots of Kansas City soccer matches going on out there. Sporting Kansas City, they hit the road. They took on the Philadelphia Union, picked up their third 0-0 draw of the season. Kind of wild, but it took a while to get to the action. There was a one-plus-hour weather delay before a kickoff. So we thought we're finally going to get an early kickoff. It's an East Coast game on a Saturday night. Instead, it went as late or later than it typically goes. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, Was that in your forecast, tornado predictions? I don't remember that on the last episode. It was not. I did say there was like a 20% chance of rain, I believe, but I did not have tornadoes in my forecast. However, given all the tornadoes from Friday night, I am pretty sure it's that same storm system that was in like our neck of the woods and in the south, like that's what Philadelphia got. So thankfully, no tornadoes last night, um, at least in Philadelphia. I don't know about anywhere else on the East Coast, but yeah, the delay was a little annoying, but understandable given how hard it was raining and all the lightning. Yeah, safety first for sure. And, you know, our thoughts go out to all the people that have been affected. These, I looked at the weather map at one point, I don't know if it was on Friday, and it was just like the whole country it looked like it was covered in weather. It was just spread out so far. So I hope everybody out there is staying safe and that everybody's doing okay. So the least of our concerns is starting a soccer match late. But let's talk about the match in question. So lots and lots of changes for Sporting KC. People have been complaining. People have wanted change. What's interesting to me is like people didn't seem like there wasn't a lot of anger or up, people being upset last night. And I think a 0-0 draw on the road is generally like an okay result. Like it'd be nice if Sporting could score some goals. But uh, not losing is a nice upgrade after having two straight losses coming into this. And against Philly, who were in the MLS Cup Finals last year, and basically, if not for Gareth Bale scoring a header at the death, and, you know, there's, should he even have been on an MLS roster with the the money he was supposedly taking as a pay cut? I don't know. Controversy. But 
it's a good team to have gone in and gotten this result for. But the changes were we saw Sporting KC debut for Robert Castellanos and Danny Rosero. Danny Rosero arrived on Sunday, played a full 90 minutes the following Saturday. It's kind of wild. Uh, Castellanos was kind of the emergency signing that was picked up right after Courtney Ford's uh, injury was announced that he'd missed the whole season. So they both played the whole game. Robert Volader, though, didn't go to the bench. He moved over to left back since there was nobody available to play left back. That was actually my prediction in the story I wrote. So kudos to me, although I wildly missed on some of the other predictions. I did not have Castellanos in there, that's for sure. Also, we saw the debut of Alan Polito, who made his first appearance since 2021 playoffs. That's kind of crazy. Uh, Johnny Russell got his first start. Nemanja Radoya got his first start. Lots and lots of changes. What stood out to you, Sheena? Yeah, lots of changes. I A point you were saying at the very beginning, I don't think anyone was upset because we were all kind of calling for a change. And so I think there would have been more frustration if it was basically the same lineup we've been seeing minus Ben Sweat, who was on a red card. So, so, I, think so I have a be- question. Let me, let me interrupt you real quick. If it was a yeah. 0-0 result and it was the same lineup as before, don't you think people would have been mad though? Yeah, it would have been more frustrating. I think at this point, everyone wants to see a win. However, I think we're more understanding about it because it was a new lineup. But yeah, if it had been the same lineup minus Ben Sweat and it was a draw, I think people would have been frustrated. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I think too, is I think they are more forgiving because they're like, well, we've been asking for changes and then they got changes and this is what happened. I left out one pretty big change. Uh, Tim Milia got his first start of the year. Actually, we got yeah. to talk to him post-game and he said, and I didn't really look into this to to remember that how long he had been out because of his injuries and whatnot. He said this is the first time he's really played since last July. So that's a pretty long stretch. And he looked very good. I don't know that I've been I haven't been down on Poles Camp really at all, but I think this will at least earn Milia another start, him getting onto the field. Definitely. I was pretty bummed to see Milia because I love him, don't get me wrong. Like I'm glad he had a, a really good game and I, I'm with you. I think he's gonna continue being the starter unless he gets injured or something happens and he starts playing worse. But I feel like we need to start thinking about the future. And I think he's only on a one-year deal, right? So Tim Millie is actually signed for two years. He's got a guaranteed two-year deal through 2024. Oh, okay. Well, I still feel like John Camp is the future. And I really would like him to get more playing time because in three years, essentially, there's probably not going to be Tamilia and hopefully it'll still be John Poole's camp who's the starter, but he needs all that playing time as possible. So I was kind of upset with that move, but Tamilia played lights out, so I can't be mad about it. But initially when I saw the lineup, I was upset by it. Other, I think everyone else I was okay with. I was a little surprised to see Rosero since he just got here sometime over the week. So to see him play. Sunday, as I said, literally a couple of minutes ago. (laughs) Sorry. It's, I've been in the heat all day. I'm exhausted. Y'all, even though we used to live in Arizona, like I do not like the heat. And even though it's only like 75 out, it feels a lot warmer when there's no breeze. And I was doing yard work. So I was doing physical activity in the heat. So 
I'm just a little worn out over here, but the, fir- okay, the first so. warm day of the year, and you're already complaining about <laughs> how warm it is. It's so oh boy, just Gina. slightly, oh boy. just slightly. I know. Okay, I'm back on to sporting. So it well, was real ex- quick before we move on. Can I talk about Amelia? Because I want to get my thoughts sure. on that too. So sure. I'm with you. I was a little bit. Like, man, what are we doing switching out Pools Camp? Like, yes, obviously, just giving up four goals. That doesn't look good. But looking back on it, I don't think most of them were his fault, right? I'm not going to keep blaming Ben Sweat. But yeah, it was Ben Sweat's fault. Let's just move on. Um, (laughs) Not all Ben Sweat's fault, obviously, but just some good plays and things, too. But at the same time, like you said, Amelia did play really well. Lights out. Philly, actually, their expected goals was less than one goal. So they didn't really create that many good chances. I thought they would have had a higher expected goal rating because frankly like it, f- it felt very nervy there for like the last 10 or 15 minutes of the game like it definitely felt like they were going to score and they had some pretty good kind of half chances and close areas or they just missed the the goal entirely but I think in the long run it is good for the team if there's a lot of starter worthy players that can push each other and if you don't play up to par then you go back to the bench and someone else gets a shot so I don't know if that motivates people or if that makes them nervous and then they end up making mistakes but you would what's the expression iron sharpens iron everybody should get better by having all this competition within the team i agree with that and i think that was one of the things i had tweeted during the game is it's great that we have a great um keeper in melia and in pools camp and i wish all of our positions were stacked like that so for example when johnny russell comes off we're getting somebody of same quality and not Kyrie Shelton. No offense to Kyrie, but he's not but, but Johnny yes, Russell. Yes, offense to Kyrie, because man, <laughs> he did not play good. I was very annoyed with Kyrie. Like I'm not. None of us are big Kyrie fans on this podcast. Like he just this is not good enough, right? Like okay. I, I get that he's a backup and whatnot, but he was just loafing out there. There was a play towards the end of his less than 30 minute shift where the ball was played into the corner and he just like couldn't get back to it. And Remy who's played every minute of every game, basically, as far as I can remember, he covered for him. He ran down into that corner and covered for him. And I was like, if Shelton's not out there to be a hustle player, then why is he out there? Marino's Johnny's should be back and be available. Like, Put that guy on over Kyrie Shelton, in my opinion. Well, that will be interesting coming up this weekend or against Colorado because he should be back from international duty. I mean, he might be back now, but with all the traveling across the world, he probably was exhausted. So I think, you know, Kyrie's been fine while he's been gone. But if Kyrie gets, uh, if a Johnny Russell can't play a full 90 and a sub comes in and it's Kyrie Shelton, I think every single sporting fan except maybe Kyrie's family is going to be upset by that because right now he's not playing even as backup quality as you just mentioned he was tired and he was only in what for the last half hour of the game something like that not even I think it was like the 61st minute that he came in so technically yeah because the stoppage time he played more than 30 minutes to correct myself uh Janice was not on the bench so he's not available but you know you got Cam Duke on the bench and I I get that Russell can't go 90 minutes in his first start that makes sense to me but yeah, I'd rather see Duke out there. Duke did get a run out and played the whole 90 for SKC too. So I'm glad to see he's at least playing games. But you got to be so annoyed if you're Cam Duke that Kyrie Shelton consistently gets minutes over you and consistently underperforms. You know, it's he's never really punished. It doesn't seem like for underperforming. But to your point, once Russell's healthy and can go 90 minutes, I don't feel like we're going to see Kyrie very much. 
I think Kyrie would be like well served spending some time on Sporting Kansas City too. I don't know that that would happen, but I feel like maybe he needs to be on a lower division team to help maybe with his confidence. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'd rather see younger guys play in that position and develop for SKC too. They're the right winger that they've played the first two games is this young guy, Sebastian Cruz, who was in the academy, went off to college and came back. He is a hustle monster, man. He's all over the field. He's not as tall or physical as Kyrie, but he's putting in a pretty good effort in the two games that they've played so far this year. Another point I was going to make about Kyrie is if he came onto the field and he was winning headers and, you know, making some plays, like maybe there would be, you know, reason to say, oh, he should be out there. But he didn't win any headers to like my knowledge last night. I remember him specifically missing a few of them. So I don't really know what point he is adding if he's not out there hustling and, and getting the ball because he's not winning them. So yeah, kind of confusing. Yeah. This is the same old story with Kyrie though. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned only his mom is is going to be upset. So I we said think family. They, oh, did you say family? Well, you yeah. say family and I'm pretty sure his mom follows our Facebook page and like commented something when we did our rebrand, like hoping we'd be less biased. And I'm like, so if that was your mom, Kyrie, I'm sorry, Kyrie's mom, but if he doesn't play good, I'm going to say he doesn't play good. The I end. get it as no, but I understand as a parent, it probably has to be hard to hear negative stuff about your child. I know as a parent, if somebody was criticizing my daughter, even if it was well deserved outside of like her coach doing it, I probably would be like, "Ooh, that hurts. And I'm sure she's seeing it all the time. Although if my, my daughter was in professional sports of any kind, I probably would need to stay away because I, I think it would be hard to read. Yeah, it would be best probably not to read the comments, not to read the listen to podcasts like this or go on Twitter <laughs> yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, just stay out of all that stuff. That said, our yeah. daughter played her uh, second club game this weekend. She had two this weekend and she made some mistakes out there. And somebody said something, oh, that girl just got out of the way of the ball. And I go, <laughs> yeah, that's our kid. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. She did get out of the way. I'd like to think that I don't have the like those, mo you know, they call them mom goggles, right? The way your mom sees you is different than the rest of the world. I'd like to think I'm honest about it and go, you know, she's young and she's developing she just came to a club team a few games ago and she's hopefully going to get better so uh but not everybody sees it. you know a lot of people are biased uh, you know there was moments in the crowd we were at the kc current game and there was moments in the crowd where the fans were just so upset and i was like yeah that was clearly the right call like i don't know why we're getting so upset and it's just you you have your team's you know the, the blue goggles on or the teal goggles on, if you want to say for the current and you're seeing things through that light. And I just try to be honest with myself and say, you know, what went well, what didn't go well and what was a good call? What was a bad call? Sometimes you can't tell though, depending on where you're sitting in the stadium. Enough Kyrie Shelton talk. You started to talk about Castellanos and Rosero, I believe. What were you going to say about them? Well, I didn't bring up Castellanos. I brought up Rosero. I don't really have any thoughts on Castellanos. But Rosero, I was really impressed with him, especially considering he just arrived in the United States on Sunday. He's only had probably a few practices with the team. And I feel like he immediately came in and he made a difference on the defense. Now, did he play perfect? No. Did he have some mistakes? Of course. But overall, he was physical, which I liked. And he was everywhere. Like he was ever, he to me was all over the field, just like Remy is always all over the field. So I felt like he was making, he had headers in the box. 
he, I, I don't know. I am a huge fan already. What were your thoughts of him? Yeah, I would kind of echo what you said. I thought he, you know, he showed his athleticism and that was kind of the selling point, right? They, uh, Peter was saying he's a cross between Ike Opara and Aurelian Collin. And you could see it, right? He's getting up, he's winning headers, he's being physical. Like early, he had a pretty heavy like contact with one of the players on Philly. I don't remember who it was. And I was like, oh boy, he's going to get himself booked earlier, give up a PK. But then he settled in and he kind of calmed down. In that early phase, I remember there was one play where he crashed into a Philly player. Then he crashed into Graham Zussi. It's like he's just not quite got the the spacing out there, which makes sense. You've only had a couple of practices with your team. You're in a brand new league. You just flew, you know, all the way up from South America a few days ago. The promise is there. And as far as Castellanos, I thought, you know, I, I was a little surprised that he got the start. I, I kind of think that Fontes is a favorite of Vermees and to see him go to the bench is interesting. But Castellanos performed well. Uh, he sh- shared a lot of those same traits, right? He seemed pretty athletic. He was covering a lot of ground. He was winning balls in the air. So it's some things that Sporting haven't had in a long time. I don't know if you want to still pair a more passing center back with them. Uh, I had an idea, though. What do you think of Robert Volitor still being the starter next to Rosero when all the things settle down and left back gets back to, I assume, being Tim Leibold? I'm fine with that. I don't know. I don't have any thoughts on that. Maybe Fontes is injured or maybe nursing an injury, and that's why he was out. Was he on the bench? I didn't even see who was on the bench. He was on the bench, and he was not on the injury report. Now, that doesn't mean anything. It could have been a load management thing where Vermees is like, hey, Fontes is, I don't know, I want to say 32 or 33 now. Maybe he's managing his minutes, not playing him every game, and maybe that's all it was. But it's hard not to look at last week's performance against the Seattle Sounders and Vermees after the game saying, some people need to see the game from a different spot, like the bench, and see all these changes and go, hmm, maybe he met Fontas in addition to Sweat, in addition to Pools Camp, in addition to, I don't know who he's putting in that, but a lot of guys changed where they were at on the field. Espinosa even went to the bench, but I think that was just because yeah. uh, Rodoya was finally, well, I guess he was ready to start. He didn't last very long. He didn't, no. He got injured pretty early on in the game, which was unfortunate because I feel like he was doing really well before he was injured, and I think he tried to stay on for a bit like I think it maybe was like another five or ten minutes from the initial cramp to the time he got off the field yeah I, I hope it was a cramp we asked Peter about it in the post game and he said he didn't know what what it was holding him up and what the injury was but to me it seemed like sporting looked really really good with Radoya playing at the six Remy and Tommy playing at the more advanced number eight midfield spots those further up midfield spots and then he left the game and then it didn't quite seem the same. And obviously, you know, second half, well, we already mentioned Shelton had to come on. I kind of feel bad for this feels like a good transition point for old Alan Polito. He finally gets back in the game. And at the same time, he's subbing on and getting great cheers. Well, as much cheers as you can from Philly crowd. <laughs> they put Shelton in at the exact same moment. So it's like he didn't get a chance to combine with Russell, which is, you know, They've got this chemistry. They've played together in the past. Obviously, he's played with Shallowy and stuff before, too. But the midfielders underneath him were mostly different other than Espinosa having to come in for the injured Rodoya. I was honestly a little annoyed at first that Roger came on for Rodoya. I would have preferred to have seen Felipe Hernandez. Roger made a lot of mistakes at first, but then towards the end of the game, he was chasing after the ball. He took the ball away a few times from the union. So he played okay, but 
I still feel like Felipe Hernandez needs to be on the field more. And then Polito coming on with Shelton, to me, I was annoyed to see Shelton on the field. But the fact that he came on the same time as Polito kind of like evened out my like frustration about Shelton coming on. But it would have been nice to see him even play like maybe five or 10 minutes with Russell. Like all you need is a few minutes together to make something happen. And I was happy to see Agata come off because he was on a yellow for such a long time during that game. And he was playing pretty physical. And I was just nervous, you know, the whole time he was on the field after that yellow that he was going to get another and we were going to be playing down a man again for a second straight game. I know, right? That would have totally ruined Polito two times in a row not getting on the field if they got another red card. I, I agree with you because he kind of picked up a silly yellow, like he steps on a player's foot. That's a yellow card. You know, it's it's a bad challenge. He came in late. But after that, Philly was like trying to get under his skin. It seemed like I was watching off the ball a lot and the two center backs, Jack Elliott and Jacob Glesnus, they're like kind of pushing on him, kind of nudging him, just like nowhere near the ball. Like the ball's not near him and they're just like getting their little ticks and touches on him. And I think they're just trying to get under his skin to get him to do something stupid. So credit to him for for keeping his head and not getting into too much trouble. He did have a foul like a little bit later when he was on a yellow and I was like, Willie, what are you doing? Calm down, bro. I was trying to think if there was anyone else I wanted to talk about. Zussi. Oh, let's talk about Zussi for a moment. He hey, before had we some... move on from Alon, oh. can we can we we didn't give Polito any love. You didn't really. You just kind of mentioned that you were happy oh. that he was out there. Um, I want to talk about Polito. I immediately when he came into the game, I could just see the man's quality. Right, these little moves, little touches, just the the subtlety to his game was something that this team has been missing. And I think he wasn't quite up to speed, right? There's just something about being in a game and playing for an extended period of time. And then, like we said, he didn't have all the best players around him. And people were kind of tired because it's late in a game and they're not getting, you know, doing all the things that they could typically do. Shalu is basically the only one still flying around. Tommy was trying, but it seemed to me that he was pretty gassed. Uh, But I think that more Polito is going to be a good thing for this team. I think he offers something very different than Willie in the way that he plays. And I'm interested to see if they're chasing a game, if they put those two on at the same time, because that's something that we have not seen. But I think Allen could absolutely play underneath Willie Agata. And that would be a very intriguing thing where Willie's like the stronger guy being physical and he could kind of lay balls off to Allen who can be more creative and make that great pass in addition to you know having the ability, obviously, to score goals. But you want to talk about Zussi. What what were your thoughts on Zeus? So my thoughts on Zussi, I thought overall he played okay. My only gripe about him was that he kept shooting um, the ball and just way over the goal. Like, I don't know if he was trying to do field goals, like trying to show his kicking abilities for his next career. I didn't really know what was happening. But yeah, that was my my gripe with Azusi was he was pulling a Roger Espinoza and kicking him away away from the goal. Yes, he did have quite a few of those. And, you know, it could be a situation where he's 36. He's getting a little tired. There's nobody to sub on for him because I guess, you know, maybe you could play Jake Davis at right back again. He did play a few minutes in that Seattle game at that spot, but that's that's not his position. And Caden Pierre, I'd love to see him out there, but he's dealing with a hamstring injury. So who knows how long he's out. So I don't know. Not not a great night. Honestly, not really a great night from anybody. The defense held it together. They didn't allow any goals. There was some nervy moments. 
But on the whole, I think it's an acceptable result. I think people are probably still a little antsy because that's six games and no wins. If you get a 0-0 draw and you picked up a couple wins already, I don't think anybody would be worried at all doing that on the road. But I think they're probably a little bit more nervous with having you know, not gotten a win yet. I agree with that. And I have a question for you because really outside of the comments right now, most of our sporting teams are not doing so great. So we'll get into Casey Current in a moment, but they lost their second straight game. The Royals have lost all of their three games of the season so far. So, And then sporting hasn't won any. So, Chad, who do you think is going to win their first game? Yeah, I saw that was a comment on the KCSoccerJournal.com for all of y'all. Oh, was Uh, it? Yeah. And uh, my colleague Ben, my co-associate editor over there, uh, he said the Royals, of course, because there's more games in baseball. But I'm not even that confident that the Royals might win a game because I I hear they're quite bad. I don't pay much attention to baseball, so I don't know. If it's not them, though, it's got to be sporting because the current have two weeks off. They don't play because of the international break. But the Sporting are playing at home against the Colorado Rapids, who are not a good team, and they have got to find a way to win that. You cannot keep losing your home games. They were dominant in their first home game, but Drew got crushed in their second home game. It's time to get a win, and it needs to be at home. But we'll preview that game a little later this week. I just had one more thought about the game from the last night. Uh, Eric Tommy, I don't know if you were watching him move around the field, but he still doesn't seem quite right to me. It still feels like he's trying to do too much, like he's pressing too hard, like he's trying to put the team on his shoulders. I think we talked about this in one of the last week's episodes, but there was times where if he just like takes a beat and makes a final pass instead of like shooting into the wall, he shot into other players so many times. And, you know, maybe one of those goes in, right? You get a lucky deflection. Shallowy scored off a deflection earlier this year. Maybe that's what he's hoping, but he just doesn't feel quite right. And, Gotti Kinda, we know, is back in more phases of practice. So maybe if Kinda can get healthy enough to sub for him, that pushes you, right? Your job isn't safe. This guy might be coming for your job because Kinda and Tommy are kind of like for like or the most like for like replacements, I would say. That might be nice for the team to be able to push Tommy. What did you think? Did you, did you notice Tommy at all? Yeah, I did. I noticed, and this is a, not just about Tommy, but in general about a lot of the players, we're still when we're passing, not passing to the right team. So a lot of the passes and Tommy was some of them, but it's like they would pass and it would go right to the union. So there's still some, it's, they're still not clicking. I would say it, each game is getting a little bit better. And so hopefully they find that sweet spot next week against Colorado. But I did see on MLS 360, Rubio's back, Diego Rubio, former SKC striker. So that has some potential to be a good game or a tough game, maybe. Yeah, uh, Rubio loved him when he was on Sporting, kind of hate him on Colorado. We'll probably talk more about him on Thursday's episode. But despite yet all this terrible starting, right, Sporting are still only three games, or I'm sorry, not three games, three points out of the final playoff spot. That's one win. You string together a couple of wins and suddenly you're not only in the playoffs, but you're way up the table with the way this thing is playing out so far. So one good news around MLS, St. Louis finally lost. They are now five and one instead of five and oh. So that's a win. Thanks, Minnesota. We appreciate what you're doing for us because if they'd have broken sporting's record for starting a season with the most consecutive wins, 
in their expansion season. Oh, we'd never hear the end of it. So at least maybe they'll be a little more quiet for uh, a few days. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got more for you on For the Glory KC. All right, and we are back. Let's get into the KC Current game. Sheena has talked me into going to all home openers this season, so we attended the KC Current game as a member of the fan club. You know, we were in the blue crew down there hanging out at the uh, back of the stadium where the cauldron sits behind the goal. Unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of view of soccer because all the action for almost the entire game was at the other end of the pitch until a couple late Sophia Smith goals. Uh, the current ended up losing four to one in their home opener wah, wah, to the Portland Thorns, the defending NBSL Cup champions. But the team broke an attendance record, 11,301 fans. So that was exciting. But the loss, obviously, a little disappointing. What were kind of your initial thoughts, just like your experience being being with the Blue Crew? I had a lot of fun at the game. They, what did you call the stick, the boomsticks? Is that what you were calling them? That they gave I was out? calling them boomsticks. I don't know if that's the technical term, but those inflatable <laughs> tubes that you bang together. Yeah. So I grabbed one for our kiddo and then she grabbed one for herself. I didn't realize that. So we had two of them and I had a lot of fun playing with them. She inflated my set and I pr- I think I annoyed the lady in front of us so apologies if you're listening because I was banging him the whole first half and then I noticed in the second half her husband was in front of me so could have been just coincidental but in my head I probably annoyed her with me banging him well, lots uh, of people were banging those together so I don't <laughs> think you you have anything to be upset about what I found funny was that it really entertained our daughter to have the boomsticks because she had oh, one up yeah. each sleeve and one up each pant leg and was like trying to bang her legs and her arms together <laughs> it wasn't making any sound but it was keeping her like somewhat engaged in soccer related activities versus just begging to play on her iPad and not watch the game, which is we basically negotiate where we're like, you you have to watch one half of soccer before you can play with that or, or you can play with it in the first half, but then you got to give it up and watch the second half. So she should have chose the other half though. She watched the bad half. She watched the first half. Yeah. Well, she picked that when they could have scored on our end. It just didn't happen. But yeah, it was a fun experience. And I'll say at least that Casey Current scored way earlier in the season than Sporting did. So they have that going for them. And it was a rough day. It was cold and windy too. So there's no pleasing me with the weather, I guess. But yeah, yeah it was too cold on Saturday. <laughs> it's too hot on Sunday. Jeez, a- Gina, make up your mind. The wind was too much for me on Saturday, and there wasn't enough wind today. So, yeah. But it was, yeah, the environment was really fun. I'm glad they broke a record. The game didn't go in the favor we wanted. But, I mean, it it was tough. Portland are the reigning champs. So, I it would have been curious to see if we had had everybody off the injury list Um and in better health, like how much more competitive the game could have been. And at one point when it was a 0-2 and then Casey Current scored, I was like, oh, we have ourselves a game here because uh, they started in that second half. They made some really good adjustments, but unfortunately they did not adjust for covering Sophia Smith and she ran all over us. 
Yeah, no relation. Sophia killing us, though. But yes, it was, it looked really abysmal at first. Like, I thought the current could have been up. I'm sorry, the current, the thorns could have been up four or five to nothing easily in the first half. So the fact that it was only two nothing in halftime, it left the door open. And it definitely uh, was a more compelling game until, you know, like the final 10 minutes or so when Sophia Smith picked up two more goals. So let's talk about some of these goals. The The first goal came off of a corner kick. Crystal Dunn gets the ball delivered into her and just kind of takes a little quick cut back and shoots it near post. French was kind of screened a little bit, so maybe she couldn't see it, but I just don't think you can let that one beat you. I, from the other end of the field, I was just like, how did that ball go in? I don't even know what happened. So I had to go back and watch it on TV later to see what was happening. So that was a bit of a bummer. The second goal was the penalty kick. Went back and watched it over and over. Definitely Gabby Robinson clips Sophia Smith's heel and she then trips over her own other leg. What I couldn't tell was if she was offside or not. And I saw some people on Twitter that were in the stadium saying, yeah, it's definitely a foul, but I don't know if she's offside or onside. Well, neither does CBS because none of the replays actually looked at if she was offside or not. All they were doing to look and see if she was tripped. And you could see almost instantly that she was tripped. So kind of a fail there because she was leaning a little bit. She may have been offside, but ultimately, you know, I guess it does not matter in the end. Uh, KC fights back, get a set-piece goal. Alex Loera delivers a ball to CeCe Kaiser, who has the first goal for the team this year. And yes, as Sheena said, much earlier than Sporting scored their first goal. And then these late goals. Oof. Sophia Smith came down the side of the field. She dribbled and beat, I think it was four players that I saw. So she beats, uh, I'm not sure if I have this in order, but Weinbrenner, Loera, Delfava, and then finally Gabby Robinson. And then, well, technically French too. And the ball just kind of lightly trickles into the goal. And we were back on that end of the field. And I was like, what just happened? Like I watched it in front of me and I don't know what happened. That was, that game put pretty much put it, an end to it. Uh, Smith then added a fourth goal where she just, she honestly could have passed to Michelle Vasconcelos who probably would have had a tap in, but instead she took this crazy shot and scored anyways. So she's ridiculous. I, I actually have a quote that I wanted to read to you from Lola Bonta after the game. Uh, Lowe said, we're lucky to have her as an American and representing the U.S., obviously. It just sucks that we also have to defend her at least twice a year and in the final as well last year, which I thought was a really good quote from Lowe because, yeah, Sophia Smith, she's a monster. Great to have her on the U.S. women's national team, and they're, they're convening camp here, so she'll be, you'll get a chance to see her more and actually cheer for her instead of actively rooting against her like we were in this game. Yeah, I like her on the women's national team, and she definitely deserves a spot. And it was fun seeing her play. That I think it was the third goal, the one that I would say happened in slow motion, was kind of that one baffled me that nobody could stop it because it really felt like the ball was going slow and everyone tried to stop it in slow motion. And it, I, I don't know, it was a, a really weird goal. But. Very weird. And you know what's funny is she did what a lot of players don't do is Weinbender kind of bumps her and tries to knock her off the ball. Then Loera does it. And then Delfava, I don't know if Delfava got a bump or not. But Smith stayed on her feet. A lot of players would have just gone down and hoped for the penalty call. And they may or may not have gotten it right because it's close to being shoulder to shoulder. And she just fought through it and made something happen, which I think there's some credit to to staying on your feet and trying to, to create a play. A few other things I want to point out from the game. It looked like, according to the graphic on CBS, uh, that current were in a 4-3-3 formation again. So a four-back. I thought when I saw the lineup at first, it was going to be a back five. What was weird is they had Delfava listed as a winger, 
But I watched as I was watching the game, I was like, man, she is way up the field. Is she playing forward or is she playing midfielder? Like what what is happening right now? It was an odd choice because Delfava's definitely uh, been seen mostly as a right wing back last year. So she can get up the field a little, but know that she has much of a threat offensively. So that, that one kind of puzzled me a little bit if that was the plan. And then it left um, Addison Merrick at right back instead of center back. A few other interesting things happened. In addition to Merrick getting her first start, Jenna Weinbrenner got her first start. She had kind of a rough game, I would say. Uh, Kate uh, Chardonnay Curran got her first start as well as played defensive midfielder alongside Alex Loera. And maybe biggest, most important thing of all, there was a Dabinia sighting, y'all. She got about 20 minutes at the end of the game. Huge credit to the Kansas City crowd for knowing who she is and being super excited about it because I could see a player coming in in a women's league just even a couple of years ago and people going, oh, I don't know who this person is. I'm not familiar with them. But people went nuts when Dabinia came on. And I thought that just shows the uh, intelligence of the Kansas City soccer crowd. They know what they're watching. They know who these players are. They know who the superstars are. And people should know Dabinia. But I think when she was announced, like people weren't really going that crazy. And I was like, this is a huge signing, y'all. So people have, if they weren't aware, they've become aware. The crowd went wild when she came on the field, which was really exciting to see. And so I agree with you. I think the play or the fans have taken the time to at least learn who some of these big names are. And I think it helped, like, because I watch a lot of the local news when she was signed, like, they were talking about it nonstop on the news and the radio. So I think that helps as well bring awareness to her. But yeah, I she had some good plays, like a few good plays. I don't feel like she played enough to get a feel for everything that's amazing about her. But I liked what I saw with the 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 small amount of time she was on the field. Yeah, I would agree. There was not much. And honestly, it kind of broke the rhythm of the game. They were playing really well. And then the subs kind of broke the rhythm, which is funny because Peter Vermees talks about that all the time, not wanting to make a change because it, it slows things down. I think the Kern are usually very good at integrating their subs. It didn't work out in this game. It's still two games. And there's not as long of a season in the NWSL. But Lowe said after the game, she's not worried. They've been here before. They're going to get better. They're still missing quite a few players. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out there together. The other thing I wanted to mention about the current in general is that the defense is kind of shaky. And that's sort of what we knew coming into the season. We were a little concerned about the defense. And then they give up these four goals. It was against the superstar. I don't want to put too much weight on it. You had a lot of changes in the lineup. We'll see how they they pull out the next time when we come back to see the current, which, as I mentioned, a little bit of a break. We're going to see them in Chicago Saturday, April 15th, they're taking on the Red Stars. So, And then after that, there's a midweek game, a Challenge Cup game, the first of the Challenge Cup. So that could be interesting, too, because the Challenge Cup doesn't actually technically matter. There's like money and prizes and stuff on the line, but maybe that's a chance to try some different things, switch things up, try different tactics, kind of figure out what's working. It's kind of nice that it's so early in the NWSL season versus like the U.S. Open Cup is quite a bit further into the MLS season before we get our first U.S. Open Cup games. Any other thoughts on the current, Sheena? No, I not right now. All right, let's talk about Sporting Kansas City, too. They got their first win with an asterisk of the season. Uh, they actually drew 1-1 uh, at home against Austin FC2. This is Austin FC2's first ever road game, apparently. They're a new team. Uh, but then in MLS Next Pro, games do not end in ties. They go to an immediate penalty kick shootout. They were calling it like kicks from the mark or something like that. Was, you know, I guess that's slang for taking a penalty or kicking it from the mark. Uh, they won 4-2 to two in PKs, didn't even need the fifth round. They made all four of theirs. 
and were able to get the win. Kind of exciting for them to pick it up. They look so much better than they looked last year. This is the second year of head coach Benny Failhaber and his assistant Ike Para. So maybe they're starting to kind of figure things out, get their rhythm down as coaches. We saw quite a few Sporting Kansas City players loan down. Jake Davis, Ozzy Cisneros, Cam Duke, and Chris Rindolph all started the game. And Danny Flores came in as a sub, which... This is basically what I was asking for all of last year is if these guys are going to ride the bench and they are not going to play in MLS, they need to be playing minutes in MLS Next Pro. So I was really happy to see that. Kind of some interesting lineup choices, though. Cam Duke played left back. Don't know if that's in preparation for, hey, Robbie Volder, were you good enough or not in the, in the Sporting KC game? I thought he was honestly fine at left back, like pretty defensively sound, made a really good intervention late in that game to potentially save a goal. Uh, so don't know if it's that or just that's where they needed a body for the game. I'm not sure the guy who played left back in the prior game, he didn't get into the game. And then the guy that the backup, Leo Christensen, he played in like a U19 game this weekend. So he was not available. He was off with the the academy. So Ozzy Cisneros, he played in more of an attacking midfielder type role. He actually played kind of on the side where Roger Espinosa has been playing most of the games. Jake Davis, who usually is a very Roger-like for like player, played defensive midfielder. So think where Remy has been playing all season for the most part. And then Rindoff, of course, is a center back. So he started at right center back. Danny Flores, when he subbed into the game, he came in for Jake Davis. So he came in and played that defensive midfielder spot as well. But the young guys... They showed some promise. I hope to see a lot more of them out there, and I hope to get some like straight-up wins instead of needing penalty kicks. It's worth two points if you win a penalty kick shootout, kind of like in hockey. You don't have a, a full tie in hockey. You go to, to a shootout at the end. Sheena, you watched wa- uh, several minutes of the game. Yeah, I was going to say, I watched some of the game in between coming like after I needed a break from being in the heat. I'd come in and I watched a little bit. I watched more of the first half, but I did watch the penalty kicks, which kind of threw me off because I didn't know what was happening. And then Chad explained, I have a love-hate relationship with penalty kicks since I wasn't super invested in the game. I obviously wanted Sporting Kansas City 2 to win, but uh, I like a good penalty shootout sometimes. So it was fun to see that, and I wasn't stressed like I would have been if I'd been sporting the OG team, just because I I don't know it wasn't I don't know, but that was kind of a fun aspect of watching that game. So yeah, it was a little surprising to see so many of the sporting A team on the B team, like Cam Duke. But I'm glad they're getting time, but like getting to play somewhere. But I have to wonder how frustrating that is for somebody like. Cam Duke, who had quite a few starts last season for Sporting Kansas City, and now he's on the second team again. So I don't know. It'll be interesting after this season to see what happens with him. Yeah, he's out of contract after the season. So you got to think, if I was him, I don't know that I'd want to come back. You never get to play. But maybe if you get a raise and you get some promises, but they keep signing midfielders and things ahead of him. So uh, who knows on that? But we'll bring you more Sporting KC2 coverage this year. I like to talk about the twos. No, they don't really get enough love, in my opinion. Uh, Makia Menace, though. I want to talk about her. So Kansas City Current, a little bit of controversy. I apologize if I'm saying Makia's name wrong. I haven't didn't get to see her any games because she was cut in the preseason. She was a draft pick this year, I believe in the third round, if I'm remembering right. Did not make the team, got cut. And just prior, I think it was on Friday, 
her mom put out this really long tweet and Instagram post uh, basically saying, like kind of trashing the Kansas City Current, frankly, saying that all the stress they had put her under and she hadn't been eating and they weren't like caring for her mental or physical health. And also saying that she was forced to buy her own meals and they didn't reimburse her for her travel to come join the team as a trialist. And we looked into the rules and I can't recall who I saw find the rule here, but apparently NWSL teams are required to pay for like some sort of housing, like the hotel or whatever. She didn't mention that that wasn't paid for. So that's good. And then to give either a per diem or provide meals. So I'm hoping this is all just sort of like a mix up or just like a soccer mom fighting for her soccer kid, you know, wanting, wanting the best for her daughter. And, you know, obviously I feel bad for Makia, but sports is a tough business. I, I want to give the current the benefit of the doubt and think that they would do the right thing and reimburse where they needed to reimburse. And if they were asked or provided receipts or whatever it is, you got to do that. Like in my company, it's always very chill to get stuff paid for. You just got to you know, provide the documentation and they get it for you. Obviously, the current are a smaller organization in terms of like I work at a giant corporation for my day job, but I would think that they would try to do things right. It, it a lot of people are pretty upset and they're just immediately believing that the current has done wrong. And I'm interested to see kind of what happens, but Matt Potter was asked about it, the head coach after the game. And he said, he, you know, it's been elevated to the NWSL players association and they're looking into it. What I'm going to do, cause I can't do this story justice really is drop in an article from the athletic from Meg Linehan, where she basically takes all the sources and puts them together in one spot. So you can see, you know, what is Makia's mom saying? And then what is everybody else? The quotes, they talked to the commissioner. She was in Kansas City for this game since it was on CBS. Get all those things in one spot. But Shina, did you have any kind of gut reactions or initial thoughts? Well, I hope it's not true, obviously, especially everything that's been going on with the NWSL and all the allegations that's gone against them, it seems like every team would be on high alert and making sure that they're doing everything properly because you don't want any more negativity against your team or really the organization um, in general. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of all of this. I don't know if you said this part, but Makia, is that how you say her name? I'm not sure, but that's how okay. I'm doing and saying okay, it. Okay, well, same So she did have to leave and she's like seeking treatment for this whole situation. Like she's working on her mental health, I guess. Yeah, kind after she sad. was cut, uh, the Orlando Pride had picked her up and she said, like her mom basically said that they treated her so much better and she was doing well there, but then she was still like concerned about her. So she ended up like taking a leave. So she didn't sign with the Pride either. And I don't know, I my gut just says, and I don't know if this is just me defending Kansas City teams blindly and, you know... It, I, I, you know, we'll see what comes out in the controversy, but my gut says sports is like a brutal business and, you know, players get traded and that's really hard on them. Players get cut, you know, the, the t careers get cut short. I hope it's just the business of sports and it is what it is. And it's nothing like they've actually done some malicious bad things here. And if they have, then obviously they should pay the consequences for that and uh, look to do better or you know maybe somebody gets in some real trouble for it if that's the case but i'm kind of going to wait and see where the chips fall and what the investigation turns up and what they look at when they look into it same and i wonder too if maybe i i don't know in women like in the nwsl if like the players 
represent themselves or if they have a manager, like maybe there's some confusion, like maybe the mom doesn't have all the facts. I don't know. I just feel like with everything that happened last year, I, I'd like to think everyone would be like crossing their T's and dotting their I's down to the T so that way they don't have any kind of negative publicity against them. So, but you just never know things could slip through the cracks and yeah, it's, it's hard to say too much right now until like the full investigation has been completed. Yeah. And I don't even know if a formal investigation has been open, but hopefully that that will happen if if it's necessary. I'm pretty sure Casey current is, I saw they were doing some kind of investigation. I thought that's what I read. Yeah, no, that hopefully. And I uh, will clarify, she does have an agent. So there, you know, there is a chance that that could be lost in translation. But it sounds like the agent was talking to the mom and like the agent was trying to advocate yeah. for the player and that they're saying that these things weren't handled right. But we'll see what comes out for that. Uh, we'll definitely give it more attention if anything more is reported about it. So it's time, though, for the digital crawl. Y'all got a couple quick stories we're going to fly through here real quick. First up, Ilya Sanchez, former Sporting KC midfielder got his U.S. citizenship this week. They had a cool video on the LAFC. I saw it on Twitter account, uh, kind of celebrating Ilya, and that was pretty fun. So congrats to Ilya for becoming a citizen. Who doesn't love that guy? Like the best player I've ever met in person. Yeah, he's so sweet. I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's a delight. Um, In sort of Kansas City current news, Ted Lasso was wearing a Casey Woso shirt on season three of Ted Lasso, or Jason Sudeikis, I should say, was wearing it as the character Ted Lasso. So you all may recall that before the Kansas City current were the current, they played under like no name Casey Woso for one year while because they you know, put a team in the league in like 30 something days. It was crazy. So uh, they didn't have a name, but he had one of those shirts on. That was pretty cool. Um, the Kansas City Comets, not to be left out. They won again in their season finale. Unfortunately, they did not get the help that they needed from Baltimore and their first playoff game will be on the road. That'll be happening on April 10th against Utica City. And then finally, I mentioned the U.S. Women's National Team. So the NWSL will go to break. Adriana French, AD French, she is not going to break though. She is getting a call up to the women's national team the team is going to play two friendlies against ireland on the 8th and the 11th of april so you'll be able to check those games out and get your women's soccer fix while the nwsl is on their little international break but if you have made it this far and you have not already be sure to go ahead and subscribe to for the glory kc Tell all your Kansas City soccer friends. We want to hear from them. We didn't ask y'all for questions. We'll have to do that for Thursday's show. I think Thursday's episode probably be a little shorter because there's only one game to preview, just Sporting KC versus Colorado. Um, you can find us by just searching for the Glory KC wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Spotcast, Spotcast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I combine those into one new super platform. <laughs> you can follow us on all your social media sites at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook. Facebook, Twitter, or email us at ForTheGloryKC at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayFor90. Sheena's still only tweeting about soccer from our podcast Twitter account. But here's Christian Leo with Ride at My Community. Take care, everybody. Bye. Have a good week.